Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Analytica's LinkedIn Live. Uh, this is part of an Analytica Experts community series um, where we've been uh, creating some uh, wonderful community of experts that we're going to create content about once a month. And this is designed for uh, B2B social media marketing professionals. Um, and today we're going to talk about how to create uh, less boring content. So I'm very excited to be joined by three experts in this area. Um, First of all, we've got uh, Anita Vaselli, Global Director of Social Media and Advocacy for Ericsson. Um, she champions a social first strategy and leads their influence and employee advocacy programs. We've also got Stephen Hunton, uh, Global VP of Social and Content Experiences for IBM. Uh, he's very passionate about uh, creativity and compelling content on social. And uh, last but not least, uh, Katie Howell, CEO of Immediate Future, um, a leading social media agency. And their mantra is breaking the boring in social media. So she had to be on this uh, as well. So thanks so much for joining me and a very warm welcome to, to all three of you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And just before I you get the show uh, running with all of their opinions and ideas, I just wanted to set a bit of the scene um, because we all know that this is a massive problem, um, especially in B2B. So I just wanted to quote a few stats, which I thought was really key um, to sort of shape why we've come together here. So uh, according to eMarketers, 60% of marketers create at least one piece of content every day. Um, and also going to the generations, um, everyone talks about uh, about millennials and 73% of millennials will be part of the B2B buying process in 2022, according to Forrester. Also, uh, the, the register, tech register rather, said that 57% of the millennial buyers consider marketing content to be useless. IDC is talking about how important social media is as a source in making um uh, in key decision makers, accounting for 84% of decisions by B2B executives. And lastly, the Content Marketing Institute said that 60 to 70% of the content produced by B2B marketers go unused. So these are very you know, big stats in the face of uh, B2B marketing as, as you know, really sort of talking about the case for you know, why things are going so wrong at the moment. So um, in summary, social media is critically important, but the content is not being used and a significant proportion find the content is basically crap. Um, and that's what they're, um, they're feeding back on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, really, I'm a big fan of all, the, all three of my guests. And because we're talking about uh, how to make content inspiring, then there's a lot of pressure on them and myself, obviously, to put on a good show. Um, so please ask questions in the comments and I will uh, come around to them as soon as I can. And I'd love to um, go to you first, Anita, if that's okay, um, and ask you in your role, obviously, you push out a lot of content uh, there. And so why do you think brands create boring content? Obviously, they don't go out to try and create boring content. Why do you think uh, this happens? Yeah, I think it's, uh, first of all, it was a really great uh, way that you put it, that we push out a lot of content. Is that the right thing to do? Uh, obviously, I think it comes to so many different ways in matrix organizations. You have different business area, market areas with different needs, and group function. You have marketing, you have diversity and inclusion, employer brand, talent attraction, and everyone is producing content. But most of the time, they are being produced in silos and it's not really thinking that what is organic social about 
and what are the branded accounts are really good for. So ideally, you don't want to broadcast and push out content, but you want to build communities. Then uh, how do you use some of the content pieces that are really good for the, your social selling teams or for your influencers or in-house influencers? So how campaign teams or content creators think about social right now, I think most of the time is a tick in a box. We just need social. Mm -hmm. And let's create some social copy and scripts and oh, here are some visuals. We don't have time for it. It's like super urgent. And then social media managers are just like being bombarded or like snowed in uh, since we are in Sweden. Luckily, it's now starting to become spring um, <laughs> under all the content. And then it's just like, what do I do with this? It's urgent. And they don't have time to think, to take a step back that, OK, look, this is not what audience really needs. So it, it is really key that when we see it's audience first and social first, that we just we don't just see it. But actually, they are also entitled and empowered to say that, no, but this is what I recommend for you to do. And this is how people consume content on social. So in the organic feed, you know, it's like, OK, we want to drive traffic to dot com or something. It's like, but is that what you would do? Like, how interesting that content needs to be that you take that an additional step to, to really dive deep. Uh, instead of creating really that experience or building communities when they want to engage with branded content and they want to be part of that discussion. So, so in summary, the uh, the main challenge is that there's just so much being pushed at social and social is the bottom of the food chain in lots of organizations. Yeah. How, how would how would you build upon that, Stephen? Is that is that your experience? Or what, what what's your take on on why brands? Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think it's a very similar take. You know, I've worked for a very large organization with lots of different business units inside of it and thousands of people wanting to get their message out. And so it's it's a lot of like well-intended work because we have things, we have information that we want our audiences to understand. We have announcements that we need people to, to see. And But there's so much just being created. I mean, we create probably... I don't know, 45,000 organic social assets a year across the channels that we manage globally. And you look, start to really dig into the data and you start to see the percentage of those that get five or fewer engagements. You're like, we're wasting an awful lot of time because we're creating things that the organization thinks our audience wants, but they our audiences are consistently signaling that they don't really want that. You know, But yet we can see other parts of data that's like, wow, when we talk about these topics or we show content in these types of form factors or whatever, that like that's when we actually move the needle with organic. And so one of the things we've been talking a lot about lately is just that I think IBM and a lot of like very large enterprises are really very focused on being omni-channel. And like we're really good at omni-channel. Like we put omni everywhere. Our message is on every single kind of thing, email, digital. We're doing stuff in search. We got stuff in social, our website. But we're not really great all the time at made for the medium. And I think that's where we've got to make this shift as creators is to say, when we want to talk about a particular message, like what does the audience actually want from us when we talk about this type of messaging on Instagram stories? That's incredibly different than what we would do in email or on TikTok or on LinkedIn or whatever, any of the places that we're trying to meet, meet with audiences. So I think it really gets into like, how do we like consistently get back to that notion of crafting content that's made for the medium? And that's, 
a whole nother discussion on how difficult it is to operationalize something like that. But that's the right place to go because that's where audiences need for us to get to if we're going to create content that they want to pay attention to. Yeah, I think uh, I think you made some excellent points then. And Katie, you always talk about the audience. Whenever I've been on LinkedIn Live and everyone's having challenges, your first word is audience. So what what's your, I'd love to get all three of your takes on you know, where the problems lie at the moment. I know you've got a lot of thoughts on that. It's easy for us as vendors, maybe agencies to uh, to, to, to be critical with brands. And obviously you work with a ton of brands. What, what would you say are the, the, the most important factors as to why this is going wrong? I think, I think in a way social is a victim of its own operations in a way is the low barrier to entry means that in a way it's treated with less appreciation for a strategy and a plan and that leadership teams often don't pay it the same level of attention, um, particularly in enterprise organisations. And it is just seen as a broadcast channel as a consequence, which is as Anita and Stephen have both said, it just means it just flies out. Oh, yes, we'll put, put that on social type stuff. And um, the consequence of that is the silo teams produce stuff that is very much at the demand gen end. I need more webinar visitors. I need people to come to our stand at this trade show. And what happens is by the time it goes up the spectrum, it gets very washed and rinsed predominantly by brands slapping a few logos in and blah, 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 and putting corporate images out. By the time it comes back to the social media person who generally, even in large enterprise companies, has more than one job. They don't just look after social media. And most of the companies I speak to, the social media team is not a dedicated team, which means they're squeezing that in between 500 other things and then trying to get content out. So I'm, I'm being realistic, but it almost feels like we need to take a deep breath now and go, why are we doing this? <laughs> Why? Surely there are better ways to make a living. <laughs> because it's having, exactly as Stephen says, it's having very little impact. Lots of people are working on it. And we're, you know, dare I say it, busy fools. Um, and mm -hmm. and I think there are better ways in which we... So these are a bit of a, a stop, deep breath, refocus what we need to do. Yeah, and I think... I think you made some excellent points there. And the quarterly budget cycles and brands giving agencies or, or vendors money and you're wanting to hit leads and obviously accepting the business, I suppose we're part of the problem. Um, and I think taking that deep breath and stepping back is probably a uh, really good idea. Um, uh, please keep the comments coming. Uh, and glad that, um, glad that you thought there was a, a great point by Katie, Becky, about the low barriers to entry. Um, so please keep the conversation going. Um, I'll, ask the, um, I'll ask the panel any of the questions that you might want to ask um, there. I would love to switch to who's doing this really, really well, and then we can unpick you know, how B2B brands, especially tech brands, can change. So um, Stephen, how, which brands do you admire? I know that you've put a lot of posts on LinkedIn about this and you got some feedback. You know, B2C or B2B, who's... Who's killing it in terms of creating inspirational content out there? Yeah, I'll, I'll frame that, um, how we were actually using that question in kind of redefining where we wanted to go with social as an organization. So context for us is like IBM has been kind of in social for a really, really long time. And, and what that had led to is a lot of channels being stood up, just kind of like inadvertently, like people just wanting to start things and put content out. And so over the years, we've been making a concerted effort at consolidating back down to a fewer set of channels that we know audiences are paying attention to. 
And so as we started to do this like really deep transformation last year, I asked my team and, and peers inside the organization kind of simple questions like, who are social brands that you'd love to follow? Like, are there social brands that you actively go into the search bar and Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever, and you go look for their piece of content every day? Because that should probably be the North Star. Like, are we going to become a brand that people want to follow, that they love to experience our content? And so the ones that kind of stood out for me, like from a B2C perspective, was Nike, because I'm an athlete, I'm into fitness and all those types of things. And I just feel like with organic, their approach to social is to try and prove to me that they love running or they love training or they love whatever as much as I do. They're not really peddling me shoes, right? The shoe is on the athlete. You see it in the content. You, you'll notice it's the new one, but you're really drawn into the way that they tell stories and celebrate their athletes in like a really compelling way. And then from a B2B perspective, um, I've just like really loved um, Slack and their just approach to content on Twitter. I'm having a hard time with Slack personally in my work life right now. We're struggling together. But in terms of their content on social, like a lot of their organic Twitter is based on UGC. So they see a comment and then they go on top of that and they create something really original. And so it kind of keeps you just in a very relatable space with them because they're finding comments that another user has said about the platform or a question. And then they're turning that into something custom. And I just love the way that they've been doing that. Amazing. Uh, uh, Anita, what, uh, who are the brands that inspire you? I was uh, re reflecting on that. And, and me personally, I don't really follow too many brands. Because I want to engage with people. So I think that is something that I'm also trying to rethink that, just as you said, Stephen, like, are there any brands that you are really strongly feel towards so that you want to see their content or you rather engage with people or how they are using like the, the user generated content or their employee generated content? Because the social branded accounts, they also have to cater for the value that the brand stands for. So it's not just marketing, but how do you convey the messages that it's uh, we value people, that we are a compliant company, that these are the, the uh, we put people first and it's work and life balance. How do you put that there? And instead of like seeing a corporate statement, which is the boring, if you can show this through people, that they are really enjoying working here and what flexibility they are, they are getting working uh, at the company, you go so much further, just pretty much along the lines that, uh, that as you said, Stephen. So I think that's, that's the really key that even on like branded accounts, how can you use more people? Not necessarily if you want a business deal, like really anyone cares about it besides you, um, but maybe the customer does. But then how do you tell that story? Do you put them first and not even mentioning yourself? I mean, who would have created that? Is it the competition and would you post it on your branded account? Like, no, it's like so evident that you had to do something with it. But how do you tell that story that you really put them first and, and celebrating or what are the values it could give to, to others? So I... I really don't follow too many brands, um, to be honest, but I'm inspired actually, most of the time. I think uh, IBM, Cisco are really leading the space 
when it comes to the social architecture, uh, how team members are, are being staffed, that the social teams are not just like one person, as you said, Katie, uh, on a side that, you know, I have like five other jobs and, oh, it's 5 p.m., I haven't tweeted something and let's find <laughs> and whatever boring it is, at least I tick the box. My manager have seen it. It went out on social. It's going to be really, really good. But how do you take that step back? What you said, Katie, and rethink that, OK, this is how we have been doing it. Is that really the right way? The whole world has changed the, the platforms, how we use them and organizations really need to take this transformation and discussions that how do we solve that? How do we also solve that social media managers are overworked? And how can we keep them safe away from burnout? So I think this is really the, the, the year when most of those organizations really need to, to think through that. Does it add value? How much money we are spending? What is the ROI? What values do we stand for? And rethink their, their social. Once yeah, that, I, sorry, I, was, go for it. I was just going to jump into that because I think what you said is like really, really important, Anita, that we, from a social perspective i think social practitioners really just want to make great content right they do they want to be in that world they love to create content they want to be creative they want to make work that matters right and yet we have so many resources so much time so much energy going into content because someone is asking them to do it that literally no one engages with so it's it's a waste of your time as an employee to make a piece of content that no one engages with like that's literally you lost that time you never get that back. And so like when we start to look at kind of what, uh, like what can a social practitioner be doing from a B2B perspective, I do think we're gonna see a shift in them spending less time on branded channels and more time activating their internal advocates. Like we, we did some work last year with uh, Nadal Kutby who has been on Tim's podcast before. And, and, and I reference this work all the time because we found that when we, when we really leaned into the right stakeholders or executives inside of a specific market, we saw a marked level of engagement and traffic and registrations to things over what organic content can do. And so it's like, well, where would you spend your time if you're a social media practitioner in a market? Do you want them geo-targeting localized content through a branded handle? Maybe. But like, or would you rather them spend their time and their expertise helping an executive put that same message out to attend an event that they're going to get five to six to 10 times the amount of engagement that you could ever dream of from an organic handle. So I, I do think that it's less about us saying, how do you make content less boring through branded? It's also like, where should you just be making content and what's the, the channel may not be a brand channel. It may be an influencer. Maybe yeah. yeah I, I love it. The through the conversation you've had, you basically killed my next three or four questions because you've taken I it. Do. In, I sidetracked it, it, I'm so no, sorry. No, as in it's perfect because that was naturally where the conversation went. And I thought it was really interesting, Anita, that you you went straight to the people and the values and you, you almost didn't, you didn't uh, want to follow corporate brands. And I don't follow corporate brands either, but I know that a lot of people in my team love to... To, to watch Specsavers content or some of the retail, you know, FMCG because they're just humorous and they just love the day-to-day -day jokes and and but they're also relevant talking about politics. They're talking about you know all the sort of current affairs 
um, sort of topical conversations out there. What's your take, Katie, in terms of which brands are out there um, doing really well? And then maybe we can go into more of the, the UGC or the influencer employee stuff. So <clears throat> I'm not ready to throw the branded profile out the window just yet. I mean, there's two reasons. Stephen's mentioned organic, but we also know that for the vast majority of social media, paid is really important. But still people put really boring content out on paid. Um, and so the, 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 there's a brand that's really old, and I'm hoping they still do this, which is Mesk, who have the shipping containers, who launched with such personality um, showing wonderful pictures of their amazing container ships breaking through the ice as they travel around the Arctic or wherever it, you know type so they've built a personality that um, made you kind of want to work with them because they look cool um, and then you've got um, a brand I've been following recently partly because I, I do know them they're not clients but I do know them and that's um, uh, Intuit play, uh, Workbooks which is just really They've done a really smart thing. And again, you know, as you say, Tim, I love to talk about audiences. But when, when the pandemic started, they realised that their small business audiences were, were struggling. And so they stopped what they were doing and pushing, you know, by me kind of messages. And I actually went out with a whole series of these little live um, simulcasts with experts talking for half an hour, started at 8.30, just when, you know, somebody who runs their own business can watch them ran them for, I think, about 18 months, reaching somewhere in the region of 6.5 million uh, small businesses over those years and building up these followings. Apparently, they they had enough views of this to make it through 361 days of the year. So it was like 80% of the year's worth of watching video. And, and, and I think it is tantamount to... It, it's tantamount to them understanding that what their audiences needed then, being agile, of, of, of moving quickly, which you need to do in social, you need to work quite fast because things change, of recognising what was needed then, and they just stopped it now because the world has moved on and we don't need it quite the same way. They're going out with new campaigns. Um, and I think it was just, it was really smart and super clever. Of them. I know they've won several awards with this to get under the scheme because what they've done as a consequence of this last two years, and this is about long-term thinking, not trying to sell everything, is they've got up loyalty. They've become useful without producing white papers, which are my most hated things on this planet. You know, being useful, but being useful in the snackable entertaining sort of way and then and, and 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 done the things that actually matter to their audience and that's the fundamental that sits behind this and we rarely ask ourselves why would this matter to our customer why would this why would they give a shit excuse my french this afternoon but otherwise <laughs> why would they why would they? Because most of the time you know me telling them to join a webinar or that I'm on stand two three six is an irrelevancy. Nobody cares about that. But they do care about the problems that they're faced with every day. They do care about the pain points and challenges that they have to deal with. And if you can bend your channel into your, your corporate channel, into having more personality, to follow what the, the consumer brands are doing, it doesn't have to be humorous, but just at least have some personality. Stop being a wooden brick, you know. 
wood brick, clay brick. Um, but you know what I mean? It's just have something. Any kind of brick. Any kind of brick. It doesn't, bricks don't have personalities. <laughs> um, and I think that's that move towards having a greater personality of thinking about what, re what really matters to your segment, where those pain points are listening to what they talk about on social, talking to your salespeople, talking to your customer success people, talking to people who are in the front, talking to your bloody customers. As marketeers, that's a great thing to do. And understand what really matters to them, and then you can get it right. Uh, yeah, I, th I think this that we're all talking about the same kind of threads because what's been interesting is that, Stephen and Anita, when you were talking about Slack and you're talking about the people and values, it's because it, it, it's UGC, it's because it's customer content. And Katie, you're obviously talking about customers and getting close to them and having audience centric content. So if we all understand that and we're all in social media, does social media as a function need to do a better job at leading here? Or is it uh, someone else that needs to, to take responsibility for why there's so much content pushed out? I mean, how, how can we provide practical tips for the audience to start you know, changing how this is, this is happening? I mean, Stephen, yeah. Stephen, what do you think? I mean, my perspective is that at least where I am, that social cannot allow itself to be a victim. Like you have to find a way to elevate the story and bring data to leadership that helps communicate the why of what we're going to choose to do. And so like, because, you know, people outside of social don't know what they don't know in the same way that people outside of SEO or outside of comms or outside don't know what they don't know. But social is in an interesting place because everybody's got a Facebook page. So we all kind of think we know what we're doing. And yet we have reams and reams of data that shows like this is the type of content that works well. This is where we start to see engagement fall off. We post too many times in a day on a, too many times on a platform in a week. Or, but are we doing a good enough job like having that conversation with other leaders or are we just getting frustrated because they don't get it? It's like so I, I think like one of my biggest um, kind of learnings from the last couple of years has been I need to be a better leader. I need my teams to be better about bringing data forward that shows what's possible and has at the same time a conversation about what's completely unrealistic like what just is not going to work like to katie's point like some things just need paid and even that may not be enough because the content's not good enough and so like if we need to be able and willing to go in and have a conversation with leadership to say i just really don't think this is going to work let's talk about what might work so you know, we've been reorganized into a number of teams that are all very focused on particular sets of IBM's business. There's like five of them that we're really core, like focused on. And so the way that we've tried to change that narrative is instead of, you know, product marketing or whatever part of marketing coming to the social practitioner being, hey, I need you to make this social. We've got a webinar tomorrow. We've got a thing that's launching and we need you to tweet about it. It's like, well, come to us a little earlier and let's have a discussion about what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And then give us like a couple of days to come back with a perspective on what we think would really work well, because we all have the same goals. We got to drive the brand forward. We need our idea to be more relevant to our customers. We want to build demand and grow our audiences. Like it's all the same thing, but we might have a perspective on how to do that a little better on social because we've been doing it for a while and you've got resources here. So I do think it's about education and conversation, like first and foremost, and, 
I just believe like if we want it to change that it just starts with us. Yeah, and there's, there's 526,000 employees, I think, if I'm right, uh, for, at IBM, 133,000 at Ericsson. So it's, and if everyone feels like they've got some knowledge, that's obviously quite a, a hard ship to turn around. Um, but, uh, potentially, Merce Mer can do it um, by breaking through ice. So maybe there's some kind of analogy there that we can, uh, we can make. Um, Anita, you're obviously very passionate about evolving the social media function. Um, should you just spend your, your job 100% going around senior management on an education road trip and uh, you know change it up over the next few months or bring all of them uh, you know, on, a, on an offsite, for example, and talk about the importance of social? I mean, how, how, um, how do you think social media needs to evolve to, to be able to lead the change that Stephen and you are talking about? I think uh, Stephen had like really, really great points because it is the education, but on different levels. So what your executive teams are are, are really interested about, um, <clears throat> how for the executive leadership team is whenever they are on social, how is that becoming a competitive advantage towards other companies? Because they're going to, that's when they're going to want to invest time. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, yeah, I should be on social. Can you just write this? And like, yeah, whatever is going to happen. But whenever you show that, um, and, and to your point, Stephen, when, um, no, we just posted and, and sometimes we do this A-B testing to also show it to, to others that what really works. Um, not the same message, but pretty much on the, on the, the same content. One on the uh, Ericsson LinkedIn page, which has like a million, 300,000 followers, plus on the CEO's um, LinkedIn profile, who has 15,000 followers. And I mean, his engagement is triple the time than, than the branded account. So which one is more effective? And also the comments that you are getting, like he's getting all the positive, we are getting the trolls. And it's just like, oh gosh. <laughs> so uh, what, what is the best way? And something that you need to show to them uh, that they also take social seriously and strategically and what their role is. And then you have to do it for, for digital marketing or campaign teams that how they are thinking about social. So is it like, okay, social organic and social paid, but what is social organic? Is that really the branded account or what we have been discussing, employee advocates, um, uh, working together or creating content uh, with in-house influencers and um, uh, external uh, ones, then maybe it's your talent attraction team should use that piece of content. Or, oh, this is really great for the sales teams. And it's not organic branded account. So what, and I think that discussion and that education, that how social is evolving and what they are thinking needs to be there. And uh, I fully agree also that they need to involve the social teams or the social strategists from an early stage, that this is our objective, this is our audience, and they create content, but it's not the right size, it's not the right tone of voice, it's pretty much unusable because it's not fit for the medium. And then everyone is frustrated uh, because they are stressed that it needs to be pushed out, you push back. So how can we change that narrative? So I think that education um, part is so important moving forward. And by the way, I saw you, Nada, that you're in the team. So hello. 
Yeah, um, thanks everyone for your comments. You know, Nada's there, Jayashree, Alicia, Chelsea. Um, good to see you there. Keep the comments coming. Any questions, we'll obviously ask the panel. Katie, sorry, I think I rudely interrupted you just before. Oh, gosh, no. I was just going to say, um, Immediate Future started 18 years ago, talking about social. I feel like I've done education for most of my career, is talking to people about social media. But I'm quite zen about it. And I do, so I totally agree with Stephen and Anita, but it also requires uh, social, the social media marketing space needs more people with strategic and business thinking and with broader marketing qualifications. And that might sound terrifically snobby of me, but one of the challenges we have is being able to speak what matters to the leadership team. And Wishing on about followers and engagement and vanity metrics is not the answer for when you're sat in front of the FD asking for a large budget. So being able to understand how you can logically begin to show how um, social media actually impacts the business, whether that's through reputation, whether that's through trust, whether it's brand equity, all the way through to ROI is really important because that is the big challenge. And the way we've overcome it in recent years is to think about proof of concepts. So taking a campaign, like let's just take a really boring thing like a webinar, because there are millions of them at the moment, which is how can you tell more of a story? When people talk about storytell, they just think of one story. And you see so many B2B brands with one story over here and one story over here and one story about people and one story about product and one story with features in. And, you know, and it's you're bouncing your poor customer all over the place. But actually just to focus on one thing as an enterprise business, I know that's quite a struggle. And I go back to what Anita says, we have to be gatekeepers. <laughs> we have to say no. <laughs> um, but actually build out that webinar, which is how can we involve influencers and create solid stories with influencers? How can we write editorial commentary alongside of this? And where? what about looking at the venue or blah, blah, blah. I'm just making this stuff up on an after, sunny afternoon. The brain isn't working. But, um, but that sequential or, or wider storytelling allows you to nudge nurture all the way through. And the proof of concept allows you to map out what you'll measure in advance. And then when you get to the end, you have this case study that you can race around your leadership team, telling them this is how we made a difference to the business. And this is why social media matters. So it's not just going, this is how you do it, or this is what your competition is doing. You have to go the next step now. And that requires, you know, a bit more yeah. than posting pictures. I think getting out of the boring content space requires us to actually try to not do what our competition's doing. Because a lot of us are doing the same thing. In the B2B space, it's a lot of sea of sameness, right? Like, we all make a social asset with a picture inside of it. And if it's tech, it's got some like little techie things. And then we put some words on top of it. And then we use the exact same words in the body copy that we used on the asset. It's like, we're just in this mindless like system of just pumping it out. And so we've had that conversation a couple of times with, with leadership to say where like, well, so-and-so is doing this. So-and-so has a page for this. It's like, I don't care. I don't want to be there. I want to be Nike. I want to be Slack. I want to be these other brands that are worth following. And so, I once, I once, sorry, I once collected up all the posts for brands mentioning cloud computing, and eighty percent of them were blue, and most of them had a picture of a computer with a cloud overlaid. 
It was like yeah. you could not tell them apart yeah. at all. It yeah. was really scary. Yeah, <laughs> I up in content. It was like, yeah. yeah. I love those quote cards when uh, you cannot even read the quote um, because it's so long. It's not mobile optimized, and it's just like amazing. Like, who's going to read that? So I, I think you've you've made a really important point that, and I was reading uh, Rob Mitchell's post from Longitude. Uh, that they're a thought leadership agency as part of the Financial Times, and and I saw a really good article that he wrote, which was, your content has to be uh, sure. He had an acronym called Sure, which was S for simple, um, U for urgent, uh, R for relevant, and um, E for eye opening. And part of the eye opening part was to, I think, because people read four to thousand potential advertising messages per day, uh, which is, you know, which is mind boggling. And so one of the ways to get your content set out is to be unexpected. If we all posted, say, social media is, uh, is, you know, is a complete myth, no one uses it, and it, it's complete crap, people might stop the scroll, you know, because no, I'm not saying I would do that. Um, but it's unexpected, people don't say that. So is there something to what you were saying, Stephen, of like, just trying to be unexpected, not trying to be um, obviously coming out with stuff that's that's reputational issues, but something which is totally unexpected from what people expect from a B2B tech brand, for example. Yeah, I think it's worth att attempting to be disruptive at the right times, um, for sure. I also think like we've been really focused on um, this notion of can we create content that actually looks like it was created in the native tongue of the audience. So like a, for example, is we have an Instagram channel uh, for IBM data and like that content is not, does not look like traditional B2B content. Like what that team does is they go into Reddit and stack overflow and they look for interesting trends that are popping up. So like an example might be uh, weather patterns or last year there was forest fires. And so then they went into IBM where we have massive amounts of data with the weather company and they found weather data related to forest fires. And they ran that through an IBM product and created data visualization about forest fires. And so it's like, that's the exact type of content you would see in the data is beautiful subreddit. So it wasn't about like, Hey, IBM Cognos can help you navigate, you know, weather data patterns with a, you know, with speed and, you know, efficiency. It was, here's how a data scientist actually likes to consume and communicate with content visually. And so like in that, we were being like pretty disruptive, I would say against like the norms of like B2B content related analytics. Yeah, I think, I think that's great. We've talked a lot about influencers and employees and customers. So what, what role does the influence marketing program, employee advocacy and customer advocacy program have to do with the solution? How, I mean, Katie, what, you know, what, how important are those programs in trying to sort of change the nature of organic social to get away from that corporate brand account? Because you're also supporting corporate brands uh, and obviously it's hard to, to get both right. Uh, I think right now, trust and credibility are the most important factors. Um, alongside memorability and influencers give us so B2B influencers give you both the opportunity for credibility um, as well as memorability because they often have their own followings but actually it's not just reach they can also be a really wonderful integration to deepen your content for many brands you know 
creating expert-led content is quite quite a challenge <laughs> you know it's not that they don't have their experts their experts are busy being experts generally so actually there's another area that can really be supported by having influencers to deepen content to start to talk about specific areas like I don't know, quantum computing or edge computing or what the latest is that can actually help build that out as well as expand it to audiences as well as give you trust. So I think there are several elements to working with B2B influencers that are slightly different from maybe the way we look at consumer influencers. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more because the influencers, what they want is they don't want to speak in your branded way they want to speak in their own way which kind of solves the challenge but there's that control trust access that you've got to get comfortable with from a from a brand um anita would love to get your thoughts you've obviously um been running a lot of employee advocacy and influence marketing programs how, how have they helped personalize the content in a way that you know drives the kind of people and values and the inspirational content that you want to you want to push out I think it's uh, really setting the scene with the influencers and what you are also expecting from them. Because so many brands or, or some of them are so used to that they need approval. Uh, this is what the brand wants them to see. Even their wordings or um, whatever people could relate to being getting uh, back to the boring one, <clears throat> the synergies of the processes, but no one really understands that what are they talking about. So I think it is really important that what your expectations are from them, that you don't necessarily just want amplification, that, oh, they are really good, because it, it, it's advertisement. It's also not good for their followers. It's not trusted. So if you um, start a partnership with them that, okay, these are the the demos, the products, the, the different um, research that the company has been working on. What do you think could be relevant for your audience out of all this data and tell the story as you would? So pretty much just really sourcing that content for them and then leave the content creation to them that they can be credible for their audience because if they want to serve them and they are really proud of the content that they created that it's going to work for you as well other than no 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 this was not the wording that we told you to do and going through like um five or six rounds of uh, approval process so i think letting that control or repeating the corporate messages that's not the reason why anyone should work with uh, external influencers yeah no, I, I think that's a fantastic point so is it is it realistic to be able to release control if if employees and and customers and external influencers are the key to personalization and you're getting away from the corporate brand how do you how do you navigate the trying to sort of control the narrative, but also drive the organic social? I think it's it's really the kind of like the guidelines that people can keep repeating that your employees' social media profiles are theirs. It's their choice if they are posting any of your content or creating their own content. It's not something that the brand or or, or the company is responsible or its ownership. So we, I see employer-generated uh, content or employee-generated content as an earned, earned piece because they are giving the space and, and talk be on behalf of the brand or just sharing their expertise. 
creating those guidelines that this is okay, this is not okay, uh, is really helpful. And I think that's also enough for the external uh, influencers that you don't want to control them. You would like to guide them that these are the corporate values. These are the topics that are okay to speak. This is a little bit sensitive, so maybe you want to skip that one. Or just also based on listening. Now that uh, on, on uh, February 24th, I don't really want to bring that in, but the invasion started to, the, to Ukraine. And then brands had to reiterate, there are 65 million mentions on that one. Does anyone care about your content? Probably not. Is it the right time? What your company stands for, just like keep saying or your marketing messages or guiding your employees that you might want to be respectful. You might want to choose what you post or, or how you post it. Be mindful. Remember, just remind them of your code of business ethics and what is the right thing to do. And that's it. And then you leave it to them. And if you see that someone is like really stepping out, not behaving, and, and it's really, really destroying your brand, then you have a conversation with them. But I think people are sensible enough that you can trust them. And, and that is really hard for some brands. But otherwise, you cannot control everyone. And, and I don't think that we want to control because <laughs> everybody's the same and we're going to be like so boring as well. Well, that's what I was going to say, Anita. I feel like the more we try and over-engineer advocacy, the more it starts to feel just as boring as the stuff we're trying to get away from through branded handles, right? Like having someone share their own perspective on their experience with our brand or with the, the type of moment that we're trying to build around, be it an event or, you know, a launch of something like, that's where the value is. And, and you know, and so I think that's the other kind of watch out for us too, it, even with external influencers is like, you want them to bring their authentic point of view and their authentic voice forward because that's why their audience pays attention to them. And so we, we have seen, and I used to be on the agency side, we did a ton of influencer work there. I've seen instances where the more controlling we were on the messaging, the like further below that influencer's typical benchmark for content, our content was, right? Like, you, oh, they get so many engagements for posts and then our thing goes out, but it's like laden with messaging and all the rules and regulations that we attach to their project with us. And it's like, well, it didn't perform. It's like, well, no, of course it didn't perform. They weren't, they weren't doing them. They were doing their impression of us versus doing their authentic take, you know? So um, I just, I think like we have to push for that with everything is like how can we kind of get out of our own way and allow people to carry this stuff forward in in a way that's creative and interesting yeah i couldn't couldn't agree more and just because we're um we've probably got about so five or so minutes left i just want to tell everyone that's who's listening there's an analytica experts hashtag you can follow it there's a link i think in the comments where you can follow all of the content there you can also uh follow uh the Twitter list um, uh, on Twitter as well. So we've got a couple of uh, ways in which you can keep up to speed on the content. We're gonna be pushing out um, content, or I should say creating inspirational content rather than pushing out content. Sounds, sounds boring, doesn't it? Um, and obviously, minus the corporate uh, headshots, because we got a, because we got a rap on the knuckles for having a boring social image. So that's obviously a note to self that that we have to do better as well uh, as a company. Um, but just before we um, we wrap up, I'd love to get one piece of advice from each of you about how someone in B two B social media marketing can uh, can affect the change which is needed. Um, so, Katie, w w would you be able to? 
to go first, I mean, what, 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 what would be the takeaways or the, the advice that you would give? I think I'll, I'll, I'll end with what I started with, which is we need to step back and look at what we're doing and why we're doing it, why it matters to our audience and, and, and what value does it bring to the business instead of being task orientated and churning content just because that's our daily job. So I, I'd say step back, plan. Step back, plan. And and I think there was discussion about social being more strategic. So I guess that's, that's, part, that's part of your message, isn't it? Uh, Anita, how about how about you? I fully agree with that. Uh, and, and as I, I said before, I think after the pandemic, what is going on around the world and also as social is maturing for companies, it is really the time to take that step back and let's look at what we have been doing. Was that really working? Where is the future going? And along the line that, okay, this is what our competitors are doing, how we can stand out and then rethink how many people we have who are creating content, who actually work with social media. Is every social media role is the same? And also clarifying that because the social listening analyst or the your analytics person is not the content creator, is not the community manager. So each and every role plays a, a huge part how to bring that content or strategy to life. And you have to have the strategist or the generalist, but you also have to have those specific ones. So I fully agree. Take a step back, rethink and reevaluate. This is what we have. This is, has been working and come up with a new strategy that is really an engaging experience for your audience is what they see from, from your social feed and how they experience the brand. Amazing. Stephen, uh, what do you think as your I golden nugget? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with Katie and Anita, so I'll probably be just a, a broken record to a degree, so I'll try and frame it a little a little differently, I guess. I think, like, you know, social media, like, as a, as a thing with content and through the channels and through influencers is all about relationships, and I think it's the same applies to what we're doing internally. It's all about relationships, and so what I hope that I can do better as a leader and what I hope my teams can do better as leaders is like really think about how we build stronger relationships internally to build an understanding and appreciation for what social is capable of doing. And one of the things that I have thought about a little bit in this notion of relationships is like most people have like that really good friend. That's like the best storyteller they know. Like every time you get around them, they're just like, man, he, he or she just tells stories unlike anybody. And every time they start, I just want to listen. And I think part of how we can build relationships internally is by being the storyteller and being willing to show up in a conversation with our peers and be like, let me tell you a story about what's possible. Let me show you actual data. Let me show you kind of like this world that I live in called social or called influencer marketing or whatever. And I'm going to tell you a story about when we can really create some amazing impact. I think we treat it that way where we're not just handing people a deck or showing people data points and like it's more, that's boring too, right? Boring PowerPoint. It's like, can you turn it into a story that is as compelling internally as the stuff that we want to get to externally? And I think that'll create a lot more value and allow us to like actually go make work that we're really proud of making. Great. Well, fantastic. I think that's an amazing place to, to finish. And so just to summarize, it's, it's to take a step back. It's to be more strategic, uh, use data, um, educate senior management and your know, build relationships, but focus on storytelling. And actually, I'd love to do another session on storytelling 
in a, in the next kind of month or two. So I think that that would be a great segue into building this content series because obviously storytelling is so important. So I just wanted to thank all of you so much for, for joining me. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope the audience got a lot out of it. I'm sure that they did. And uh, we will be back uh, with more Analytica Experts content uh, in the next month or two. I think we're going to put in a, a date end of April and we'll we'll let you know over the next few weeks when exactly that is going to happen. So thank you so much and see you soon. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye.